0: Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 812. If you don't risk anything, you risk everything. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello automotive enthusiasts! I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Greg Tracy. Hey Greg, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: I am always ready for a fun ride.
0: (laughs) You are indeed, that's for sure. Greg Tracy is part of the Drivers Inc. stunt team, where he is a Hot Wheels driver and a top Hollywood stuntman. He's known for doing crazy stunts in movies, including Talladega Nights, The Fast and Furious, and the movie Born Ultimatum, where he earned the World Stunt Award. Greg has also appeared in numerous TV commercials. As one of the elite team Hot Wheels drivers, Greg captured the Guinness Book of World Records performing the Hot Wheels Double Double Dare loop back in 2012. My days as a kid with Hot Wheels comes to mind, but doing this in real life is... Something we're going to learn about. Craig's also a regular at Pike's Peak where he's a seven time record holder and he holds a record for the electric car division with a time of nine minutes and eight seconds. Who? He's also the only racer to go under 10 minutes at Pike's Peak on two wheels and four. And he's won the Baja 1000. He's raced in Formula 2000, Indy cars, and he's gone over 210 miles an hour on a motorcycle at the Bonneville Salt Flats during several world record attempts. I don't think there's anything you don't do on wheels, Greg, so as we learn more about you, would you tell our listeners up front here a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your career, and of course, your passion for automobiles and motorcycles?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and thanks for having me on. This is exciting. I always love to uh, talk about all the fun things that I've had the opportunity to do. Yes. Yeah, so professional uh, stunt driver, stunt man, predominantly cars and motorcycles, Grew up racing, started riding motorcycles at the age of three. And, uh, oh, wow. It's been a very long and, uh, you know, fun career, obviously with a few bumps and bruises along the way. Yeah. But live in Long Beach, California. I have three kids, and the youngest being eight, a little boy named Wyatt, and the oldest, uh, Lane, who's an, uh, also a boy at 19, and then a daughter who's, uh, 11, LMA. So, fun family. Wow. You got them really spread out. Yeah, kind of spread out. So, that's, uh, that's certainly is a big part of my day is just yeah. making sure they all stay uninjured. <laughs> yeah, I
0: think so. It must be pretty incredible being a kid, having a dad that does what you do for a living.
1: Yeah, it's actually, that's probably been one of the most enjoyable things. And I think even when the whole Hot Wheels story began and we were looking at trying to break three world records in a short amount of time, including uh, the world record jump at Indy that Tanner Faust uh, jumped, and then the yeah. corkscrew that uh, Brent Fletcher, another one of my teammates at Driver's Inc., broke that record and we worked on all three of those over the course of I think it was actually about 16 months wow so but that whole first thing obviously I mean we all grew up anybody that enjoys cars now grew up with hot wheels in his pocket yes and you know, for my son he always had all of them had had cars in their pockets yeah well into their their you know early early teens I guess oh yeah but why my youngest of course he was actually there and still remembers uh was well it was five years ago now and he's He's eight, so he was three years old, and I've got some great pictures standing next to the loop with him. So, uh, so it was something that he does remember, and that's pretty cool, and certainly watches the videos. And that's been a lot of fun. It's been fun even going to his class and talking to the other kids and yeah, getting the opportunity to talk to kids about being safe and wearing the right equipment and talking about what happens when you crash and trying to, trying to stay safe. Obviously, the funny thing about being a stuntman or a stunt driver is that people have a tendency to think that you're crazy or that you're just, you know, just go for whatever. And it's really not true. I mean, it's, I probably consider myself almost the opposite. It's more about risk management. And obviously, as a stuntman, you can't get hurt. Otherwise, you can't work again, or at least for a while. That right. means there's no paychecks. Uh, yeah. So the real trick is to be able to go from job to job or from race to race and do it in a way that leaves something on the table and you're not coming home injured.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, your your son must have been like the coolest kid in the in the classroom when he had a dad like you.
1: Yeah, that's. although it's funny. You know, I remember Pikes Peak one year with my oldest son. He was probably about eight. And uh, Mike Ryan was there with his son. Mike Ryan, of course, being the semi-truck uh, champion of oh, yeah. Pikes Peak. Also a former Drivers Inc. member. But our kids would didn't want to spend any time with us. It was always my son was over at Mike Ryan's semi truck, and his son was over in our uh, motorcycle. <laughs> it's pit. always the way it is. Yeah, always the way it is. So
0: yeah, you know, oh great. Part of the deal. It is, it is. When I was a little kid, my dad took me up to Orange County Raceway back when there was Orange Fields in Irvine. Oh,
1: yeah, OCIR. I love that. Track. Yeah,
0: and I got to see uh, Evil Knievel jump over a bunch of school buses. I remember that nice. when I was quite young. This is back in the 60s. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was so cool. I came home. My mom made me an Evil Knievel cape. And, of course, I immediately <laughs> yeah, set up you. a ramp on the street with some trash cans and uh, didn't quite make that last trash can <laughs> on my Schwinn Stingray. But, uh, oh, great fun. Well, we're going to learn a lot more about you, Greg, as we move through your life and your journey. But first, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Greg, take the wheel.
1: Yeah, I think for me, it's you know, it's something I've said for a long time, and that if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. And that's been a big part, again, going back to the risk management side of my life. I think probably because I wasn't that guy that you'd find at some high school party jumping from the roof into the pool, I'd have to m- measure out how far it was <laughs> see if I can jump that far? If you practice runs and then do it. But yet, you know, looking on and out, at this stage of my life, four decades of, of, of this type of stuff, it comes pretty natural. Taking you know fairly sizable risk. I mean, the loop was probably the best example of that because it was the first time we did it was uh, going to be the first time there was no you know building up to it. it was just, right? No mulligans. It. Yeah, you just do it. Yeah, seven story falls onto your head and cars generally don't work out well. So no. That being said, I think that it's very important a risk and that's something you know, i've tried to even even with the the loop i wanted my kids to know that you have to you, you need to take chances and you need to take risk and that's where all the you know the great things happen obviously it's in a managed sort of way but whether it's you know asking that girl out or asking for the promotion or whatever you, you have to do it otherwise nothing happens
0: you know where were you in high school that did that bit about asking the girl out if i had just known that little clue i might have had a lot more dates. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's so simple, right? But
0: well, I know it is. But at the time, but you know, it's a it's a great metaphor for life. It's a great way to go through life. Is yeah, you got to take some chances. And so, what car jazz all about? On well, my past eight hundred plus guests here, all took a chance to start their own business, do something that they were passionate about, and it didn't come without a lot of challenge and so forth. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit with you, but. First, I want to go back into your life and talk about what instigated your passion for cars and motorcycles. Now, you started riding bikes at three. I think the first time I got on a mini bike, I was probably six years old, I think, if I remember right. And I remember going down the street, the throttle stuck open. I ran right into Mr. Swancer's garage door. Uh, <laughs> my mom immediately said, No more motorbikes for you. Ah, she let that go later when I started riding cargo yeah. bikes. Tell us about that pivotal moment in your life when you realized in your mind, you know what? I am a car and motorcycle guy.
1: Yeah, well, I will definitely say, obviously, started out on the motorcycle side. My dad was racing motorcycles, racing uh, motocross in Southern California and off-road. And my brother, uh, younger brother, three years younger, also a multiple uh, Pikes Peak champion, we were just pushing so hard to, to get our dad to take us to the races. And he finally, uh, he really didn't want us to do it. I and mean, ultimately, he probably saw the injuries and everything else and thought just trail riding was the best. But we finally talked him into to taking us to a race out at Indian Dunes, The track that used to be around and up near Magic Mountain. Yeah. And um, had some pretty good success. And that's the very first race. And I think he got a bit of the bug. And that just that's what we started doing. I think at the time of my first race, I was maybe 12. Wow. Um, but at that point, that was all I ever wanted to do. I figured I was going to win the national championships, race supercross and, and go from there. The car thing really came about a bit later. I broke my back and my neck at Anaheim Stadium in 1986, the Supercross. Uh. And while I was healing, I was pretty much at that point had had enough motorcycles. We bought a car to go race. Uh, Baja, and as we were building it, my back just it was taking longer to heal, and ultimately we decided that wasn't the best bet for uh, no for a back. racing through
0: Baja yeah. with a broken back yeah. and neck. Ouch! Not good.
1: No. So we went. We started racing go karts My brother and I at the same time. My dad always made sure we were in different classes so we wouldn't take each other out. <laughs> there you go. But I had a great time with that. Went to national championships multiple times. Went down and raced in uh, in Peru for a team down there, and wow, that ultimately led to racing cars and. Really, my ultimate goal was to race Indy 500, and through a couple different reasons, it didn't happen. But that was really the beginning. I guess ultimately it was the motorcycles. You know, anything with a motor and a the throttle, and I was I was a happy man. Yeah. Happy kid for sure.
0: <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Well, I would have been envious. I did a lot of uh, off-road motorcycle riding as a kid. I grew up in Southern California, too, and we were talking in our pre-show chat about Mexico, going down and right, racing up and down the beach and so forth. But never at the levels that you got to, but oh, I loved it. It was just so much fun. Well, Greg, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the many roads and trails you've been down, which have been a many- but I want to talk about a big challenge or even a big failure that you face. You've chosen a career that is fraught with ups and downs, oh my gosh, in so many different ways, but you've done it. So take us to one of those experiences, which was really, really a test on you and walk us through that and then tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum in your career.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I think you're right. Obviously, to to make it in this type of career, I've had multiple ups and downs, no question about it. But you know probably just first and foremost the uh, the injuries and trying to get through the injuries in 1992 I won the night before the 500 in Indianapolis mm-hmm. in formula 2000 and um Greg Moore finished second you know went on to successful indie car career before uh, losing his life yeah. at yeah. Fontana mm-hmm. but that you know the next year I came back with a team, uh, an actual manufacturer. Really, I don't think they'd finished better than seventh or eighth place. And my thought was, okay, if I come back and I win the race, I'm the hero. If I don't do well, the car is not good. So it seemed like the perfect opportunity to, to sort of push things along. And really, at that point, I was ready, ready to uh, try and pursue racing the Indy 500. So showed up, great race, started uh, mid-pack, was moving my way towards the front. I was in third place at the time, certainly had the win in front of me and had the engine blow car spun around in its own oil and I ended up getting hit head on by a couple of the other, other uh, drivers, ultimately first and second. So everybody came by and broke my cheeks and bruised my brain, knocked my teeth out, broke my wrist. Oh my gosh. Pretty, pretty incredible. But yeah, at that point, you know, I was really ready to take that next step up and uh, ultimately had to spend the next six months healing. Yeah, And it just, you know, it was just enough of a momentum killer that uh, that was a big one. And, you know, getting through it took some time. but Probably about that same time, uh, best friend, Mouse McCoy, who's well known for Dust of Glory and being a director and um, done some pretty amazing stuff himself, uh, we were living together and he had just gotten into the stunt business and he called and said, you know what, you should try this while you're healing up, you need to get into the stunt stunt driving business.
0: While you're healing up.
1: <laughs> yeah, while you're <laughs> yeah. healing up. Oh gosh. We had the guys that were always, you know, in the stunt business, guys that were sort of uh, jack-of-all-trades master of one and there was the turning point where the car movies and everything that was going on were requiring you know a bit more skill for particular especially car stuff mm-hmm. and so the timing was right and that was sort of the transition wow but uh you know sad sad story with Greg Morris who's a good friend oh, dad was yeah. a great guy it's oh, horrible he was such a you know such a superstar but when he uh when he passed away my mom called and was just so so upset and, yeah. uh, and a big part of was she she felt terrible because he had felt like he had, he had sort of was in in my shoes, you know. Yeah. I, I should have been racing that Indy car at that point. We had had a successful career, right? And had I been, of course, I wouldn't be here. And that's that's how life is. So I think yeah. that was a big pivotal moment for me of realizing, you know, you're gonna get dealt a certain set of cards. And uh, a lot of it is fate, and some of it is in your control, but an awful lot of it isn't. Mm-hmm. So it's about finding those opportunities and the things that are presented to you. For me, it was ended up being the stunt business, where you know I look at all my friends that uh, had, that I was with in the race car days that have since retired, and you know they're doing other things and i have managed to still make a living. Uh, with the steering wheel on the throttle which is just amazing i feel so fortunate
0: well kudos to you and i appreciate you taking us to some really really challenging times Uh, the takeaway i get from you there is uh keeping your eyes up looking down the road for opportunities that come along use a racing metaphor there and realizing that you know what here's a great opportunity but uh, incredible to me hey, why don't you get in the stunt business while you're recovering from all these massive in- <laughs> injuries? Oh, my gosh. So, you know, one of the things that's probably going through listeners' minds right now is when you go through an injury like that, where do you pull from to realize that, you know what, I like this so much, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm not going to let that set me back. How do you step past that? For many of us, would just be plain old fear, like, oh, man, I want to have that happen again. How do you get past that so you can keep on going?
1: Yeah. Again, I think a big part of that for me was just that I've been doing it for so long. I mean, since I was a little kid, you think about pain that you're in or my back or my, you know, my ankles that I've broken or wrists or whatever. It's something I've done my entire life, literally since I was, I think I first hospital visit from a motorcycle I was three and a half. Oh my gosh. So oh, it just became, for me, it was a much, it was, it was always about how long is this going to take before I can get back on the motorcycle or get back in the car. And so I didn't really look at it from a perspective of you know the pain part I could kind of deal with it was it was more emotional pain of how long am I out for right so I mean I think everybody's different but again it's a build up process it's like going to work out you know if you just decide you're going to be in great shape by only going to the gym one time it's probably not going to work out right little <laughs> incremental bits of pain yeah over the course of a long period of time and then pretty soon it's you just Your body demands it, you know? Yeah. Pain almost becomes okay. Sure.
0: You know what comes to mind is the the great uh, and late Ayrton Senna. There's a great quote that he has that comes to mind as you share this. And my listeners know this. I have it on my business cards, actually. And that quote is, the past is just data. I only see the future. Well wow. his mindset was whatever's happened to me in the past is just information I have to carry forward but I'm only caring about what's ahead of me not what's behind me and I think that's a big key that probably helps people get past injuries and fear of injuries or the the past, whatever that might be, whether it's a career and something else or whatever. So I'll share that one with you. Very nice. Well, Greg, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a career aha moment. You kind of alluded to one there when you were recovering from those injuries and you went into the stunt business. Was that your big aha moment? There's, there's another one you'd like to share.
1: Yeah, I would say that, I mean, that was certainly a, a, a big moment and a big pivot for me. And I would say probably not. I didn't realize at that point that, uh, I was going to be a stuntman 20-something years later, so that almost sort of happened, you know. As a race car crane, I was still still really pursuing racing uh, Indy, and slowly but surely, it just became that's what I was a stunt stunt driver, mm-hmm. and uh, and I and I love that part of it, you know. Aha moment wise, I wouldn't say there was any really just big one. You no know, other other than what we've talked about before. I think the opportunity part—that's—and that comes from from my parents. It was always about looking for opportunity. No, you know, total optimist. My dad's probably the, the the biggest optimist I've ever ever met. And so it's always whether it's you know you have a challenge or something that's difficult. It's still you got to turn it into an opportunity. And that's for me probably comes from being from, from a very young age.
0: I think so. <laughs> yeah, three years old on a yeah. motorcycle. Holy cow! It's just part of your DNA. That's for sure. Well. You've received many, many cool awards. I mentioned one when I introduced you, but is there a proudest career moment that stands out for you you'd like to share?
1: Proudest career moment? Um, I would say the loop was probably, which which we talked about, was such a big one because there was so much risk there. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, we built the loop out at El Toro Marine base to test it. And then it was torn down and moved to downtown Los Angeles for the X games. But when we were getting ready for the first test, we ultimately decided, because obviously the, the danger that was there, that we would build a drone car, same car that we were going to drive, which was based on the uh, Mitsubishi Evo. Mm-hmm. And we had a drone driver drive the, you know, was going to drive this car just to see that the loads and everything that we had, had sort of calculated were correct and that the car would, would work. Ultimately, that, my dad was standing next to me, and this was the day before we had to do the actual test, live test drone driver, car drives into the loop and from the top just has a massive, massive crash. Ugh. And uh my dad looked over at me and said, I don't know what they're paying you to do this, but you know, you're a family man, you've got three kids, and this seems like this seems like too much. I think you're you're biting off too much here. Yeah. It's too big of a risk. Yeah. And I had to think about that obviously, that especially coming from your from your dad oh, standing yeah. next to you and having just watched this happen and knowing that, that we had to commit to to uh going for it the next day Went and looked it, at at uh, the tire marks on the the railing and sort of came up with what I thought was the reason that it that it had crashed. Mm-hmm. Obviously, wasn't one hundred percent sure whether that was the case or not, but just decided the next day that I was going to commit to it. And probably for me, from a just proud moment, it was that moment of like relying on my gut instinct to uh, save myself and and uh, and then go and do it for the first time. Wow! Um, oh man! Certainly, there's been there's been other moments, my Pikes Peak win in the electric car, and it actually reached, no one holds the record now. Have, obviously, every year, that just keeps getting quicker, and sure. the technology is just unbelievable. But the first year that um, we went to Pikes Peak with Mitsubishi, I raced for them twice. That particular year, Rod Millen was racing for Toyota, and uh, Monster Tajima was running his, uh, I think at the time, for Suzuki. You know, really the two legends of the mountain. And uh, Hiroshi Masuka, who was my teammate, who had, I think he's the only Japanese driver to win the uh, overall at Dakar twice. And he's a former 3,000 driver and a full-time test driver for Mitsubishi. So amazing guy. Yeah. But I got to go up against those guys head-to-head. And, of course, everybody looks at the motorcycle riders as uh, the motorcycle guys and the car guys. It's kind of a different different group overall. Um, the car guys in general get the majority of the credit at Pike's Peak. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, who's this motorcycle guy that's going to come in the cars? But every single session out, I was quickest. Wow! And uh, ultimate, ultimately qualified quickest, and then and then the race it rained and ended up finishing third for a couple different reasons. But that moment of like proving the point that hey, we're you know the bike guys are quick, more than capable of being the quickest guys on the mountain. Yeah, that was that was pretty special.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, I think so. Do you think riding bikes all those years helped you with Pikes Peak in the car, or is it vice versa?
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the big trick with Pikes Peak, probably like the Isle of Man and a lot of other places, indie, is experience is just such a factor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really difficult to go and win the first time, and uh, especially start running for the records. It's a little easier now that they've got uh, some pretty great, you know, videos and um, and games that guys can play mm-hmm. VR stuff that um, so they can really learn the track before they get there. Yeah. Of course, that's become kind of a new new thing over the last decade. Oh yeah, but. Probably the bike, you know, obviously your contact patch is so small, so you get really good at reading the edge. Yes. Um, And I think, uh, you know, probably maybe you feel a lot of the bumps and cracks and stuff on a bike in a different way. Sure. I I would think so. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, very good. And again, congratulations for all those wins. thanks. Wow. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here. We talked about you being on a bike when you were three years old, but let's talk about your first really special car. Maybe it was the first car you had as a teenager, or maybe it was the first special race car you ever sat in and ran, but pick the one that really had a good, real real strong meaning for you and uh, take us down a little memory lane with that vehicle.
1: Absolutely. I'll tell you exactly what it was. It was a 1982 Toyota 4x4. Amazing truck. I, I love this truck more than I, In fact, I've been trying to scour to see if I can find that same truck or uh-huh. one like it to, to buy. But at the time when I was just just getting my, my driver's license and I had turned pro uh, motocross. Um, so my grandfather had this 1982 truck that he'd, he'd put some miles on. And, and I just, of course, loved it at that age. And yeah. so my dad and my grandpa did a deal, and they actually they, they got that truck for me for my birthday. Oh, nice. So, nice. It was just, yeah. You know, of course, I just wanted this truck so bad when it showed up, and it, being able to go now at 16, take myself to the track with my motorcycle in the back and go to high school with the bike in the back and go straight to Saddleback, oh, local yeah. track. Yeah. Famous track back in the day. Oh, yeah. I remember that, was that place. was pretty special. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if I could have any truck, and I mean, I get uh, one of the, Things I get to do on the commercial stunt driving side is, is working with Toyota and Toyota trucks, and yeah, I mean, they're just to me, they're just the ultimate. Oh, yeah. So that's pretty special.
0: Oh, how fun. Well, I'm sure you'll find one out there. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking.
1: Believe me, I'm looking.
0: Yeah. It's hard. a lot of those trucks just kind of were workhorses. They rusted away or they just died away or whatever. But, uh, you know, those old vehicles, uh, are kind of come back. And now the Japanese collector car market is kind of coming on strong now with a younger generation of, of more affordable collector cars versus the cars old guys like me lust after that cost way too much money. So, ah, what fun. Well, how about a car that you let go? Is there one, a car, a bike that you've let go that you really wish you had back in your garage? Other than that one, of course.
1: Yeah, I would say as far as cars go, I can tell you exactly what it was. It was a 1967 Chrysler Newport two-door Custom, which was the longest car made, I I believe, in 1967. (laughs) huge car. And uh, yeah, so I had this car just out of uh, high school and, and college. It was lime green, oh, wow. dark green interior, and uh your friends can sit in the back seat and it looked like they were a half a mile behind you. It's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah. But just such a cool cruiser, you know. It wasn't always the funny thing was it wasn't always about speed. When I was when I wasn't on the track, I like to cruise. Yeah. And that was a very good car to cruise in. So I would love to have that one back.
0: Yeah, I would think so. I was going to say smart guy, too. You got all your speed out on the track where it was a little safer to be going fast versus the streets. Yeah, that is quite a cruiser. Oh, my gosh. Those things are just (laughs) monsters. You were you were the guy to go to the drive-in movie with, that's for sure. Yeah, right. Very nice. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. What are you working on? What's coming up this year that has you really excited and fired up?
1: You know, I just finished up working on Marvel's, uh, one of Marvel's next movies, Black Panther. We went over to Korea for a month, which was amazing. Wow. Looking forward to seeing how that turns out. I'm sure there'll be a few more movies down the road. Love the commercial stuff. I, I really like the commercial stunt driving. I've got a great a great team that you mentioned, Drivers, Inc., with Race Millen and Paul Dolanback and Brent Fletcher and Mike Johnson, an off-road truck racer, and Rich Rutherford. It's a super talented group. Oh, yeah. We have a great time when we're together, and Pretty exciting when you get to show up to work with your with your uh, best friends and
0: well and do what you to get to do. Have cars or
1: <laughs> yeah. do the stuff that we do. Yeah. yeah, so honestly, every day is pretty exciting. I look forward. I've got a job coming up next week that uh, I can't talk about, but looking forward to that one. And yeah, yeah, just getting out there and doing more of the same. Very never cool. it never gets old. I can tell you that. Uh,
0: no, I can't imagine how it would with what you are doing. So, oh, uh, very very nice. Well, here is a very introspective question for you, Greg. If you were a car or a motorcycle, what kind would you
1: be and why? Good question. Um, that is that is a really good question. I actually have a couple of vintage BMW motorcycles I have a real passion for. Oh, nice. Again, kind of going back to that, Cruiser, oh, yeah? mechanically, super sound, never have an issue. Uh, obviously, uh, Ducati and the, the Multistrada that I raced at um, Pikes Peak, I would say probably one of my all-time favorite things that I ever drove a road. I mean, just such an amazing motorcycle. It wasn't necessarily meant for pushing the limits like that mm-hmm. but it was n- no problem and, and Carl and Dunn my teammate at the time we would go and test at Fontana and have no issue on these sit-up bikes with chasing down the you know guys on full-blown road race motorcycles. Wow. Was, that was pretty incredible. Car-wise if I was going to say a car that just sort of represented my personality probably the Dakar Rothmans Porsches. Oh
0: yes, 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 yes. You
1: know Super fast, sleek, full tilt race car, but with that like tough off road aspect to it. And uh, you know, toughness again. I know we talked about a lot of stuff so far, but that's that's another important factor. I mean, being an optimist, but at the same time, you've got to be tough. You got to be ready to take lumps and setbacks and just keep driving forward. And that's probably again one of the things that I try to you know try to push the kids with. So if I was going to say car wise, that's that that's probably would be it. Very cool.
0: Well, Greg, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yaw yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier plush and Berber custom floor mats, you'll also find... Cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them market Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Greg, we are back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: I can tell you, I can tell you a good one that my dad told me at a very young age on, on motorcycles and didn't always work out, but was when in doubt, gas it. And uh, <laughs> that, ha- that worked out quite a bit. It's amazing how many times when you're really out of control and you just give it a little more throttle, you get yourself out of trouble totally counter to what you think you should do, but that seems to work pretty good.
0: Well, yeah, it works really well in a rear engine Porsche 911 when you start to step the tail <laughs> yeah. out. But there but you, you know, I, when I was doing some vintage racing, it was always win and doubt, throttle out. So your dad had another, another twist of this thing or in a spin pedals in.
1: Right. Would
0: you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years?
1: I probably think probably for me, personal habit wise, it's, it's Showing up and just doing the best possible job regardless of the situation, it's always putting in 110% effort, and uh, that's probably the most critical part of it for me.
0: Yes, absolutely. Now, would you share a resource you're really fond of that you think the Cars listeners should tap into?
1: Uh, One of the things, obviously, I'm really fond of is MyLifeAtSpeed.com, which Uh, is a website that uh, blog that I started about some of my personal adventures when I was racing for Ducati at Pikes Peak. mm Mm-hmm. Kind of turned into a bigger deal a lot more about just people, you know, that go for it, take chances and take risks, not necessarily about the superstars of the sporting world, but uh, just guys that are out there going for it every day.
0: It's a great site. I really enjoyed it since I was introduced to you and spent some time on it this past weekend. So you're doing an awesome job there. It's really well done. It yeah, looks, thank you. Well, it looks really nice, too. I'm a creative guy, visual guy, and a lot of sites have a lot of great content, but if they don't look good, I I get bored pretty quick. So you've got a great combination of both things going on there.
1: Yeah, thank you. You're welcome.
0: If you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field, industry, racing, whatever, living or deceased, who would that person
1: be? Deceased, it would be Henry Ford, mm. and living would be Elon Musk. Oh, yeah. And I'd say for both, probably for the same reason, two guys that, uh, you know, I'm sure had 1,000 people or 10,000 people tell them no or impossible or mm-hmm. that's not something you're going to be able to do. And they both, you know, just continue to move ahead and look what what came out of those. Those two great minds.
0: Well, yeah, and it's really interesting you mentioned both of those together. Just past week, I had a guest on that mentioned both those guys as well. Wow, really? Yeah, Yeah. so I I think you're right. It would be great to sit down with both of those guys and and compare the, the mindsets of those, what was similar, what's different, and then being able to bring Henry Ford into what's going on today. And Elon, to listen to Henry talk about what's going on, I mean, shoot, Henry Ford, he had to figure out how to power his factory. There wasn't even... Right. A power exactly. plant. I mean, you think about that. I'm, I'm going to build cars, but there's no power plants. Okay. Uh, let's see. Who do I need to call? <laughs> yeah. Edison, Firestone, a couple of those smart guys. They might be able to help me out. So. Right. Oh, my gosh. Very cool. Well, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy as well?
1: You know, I actually, I love to read. I'm constantly reading. So, off the top of my head, I, I, I like business books. Yeah, me too. But I would also say anything by Carol Smith, who was. Uh, yes fantastic automotive engineer tuned to win engineer to win yeah those books still hold uh true today oh yeah and it, it it's one thing I, I will say the positive side of, of sort of getting hooked up with some factory rides early on was that i didn't have to do a lot of the mechanical work on, on my equipment mm-hmm. the negative side of that is i'm probably not as good as i should be you know look at somebody like my brother who's just a master at taking things apart and putting them back together but those were those were books that i read that i thought i had tons of great information and Anybody who's thinking about starting a a racing career or anything automotive should probably pick those books up.
0: Yeah, an old friend of mine gave me those books when I started vintage racing years ago, and I found them really, really valuable in in so many ways. And I'm not a real strong wrencher, but they helped me kind of get through some things, and I was trying to figure out and learn about my old race cars and how to make them safer and so forth, so... Great reference. Well, listeners, you can enjoy all these resources Greg's been so kind to share on his show notes page at com. Just type Greg Tracy into the search bar. His page will pop up with links to all these great references. All right, we're up to the checkered flag. You know what that means. We've got to put our foot into it, but this last question could be a bit of a doozy. Today, Greg, I'm going to buy you any very cool collector car, vintage race car, collector motorcycle, whatever exists. I'm going to buy it for you today. Money's no object, but you got to ride it. You got to enjoy it. No garage queens here on cars. Yeah. What would that vehicle be and why?
1: Well, I think I would go right back to that Dakar uh, Rothmans Porsche. Oh. It just, it just it speaks to me. That that car, incredible. It's unbelievable. Love that car. But honestly, if I was going to put one car in my garage, it would be the Mercedes Goldwing. reason for that being is that's my wife's favorite car. And the amount of points that I would win (laughs) by having that car in the garage (laughs) and driving her around town would far outweigh any other financial uh, gain I would have with anything else. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, you know, this is a wonderful answer. I've had many people on the show here who answered that question in a similar way, saying, you know what, I'd have this car so I could give it to my dad, or I'd have this car because my wife really wants it. So uh, you're a smart man, obviously, while you've been married for a (laughs) while, so that makes sense. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with the Mercedes going. That's uh, No, that's fantastic. You know what's incredible about those cars, the last time I drove one, is they drive almost like a modern car, which... Old, most old cars don't. You get in an old car right. and you think, oh, this is going to be so cool. And you go, oh, this was terrible. It's like an old truck or something. But the right. Gullwing wing is just a solid brick of gold. It's just, uh, yeah, wonderful car. What color would you like yours to be?
1: I think I'd have to go with silver.
0: Uh, yeah, the traditional silver on red, silver. maybe something like that.
1: Uh, pre- pretty hard to beat. Uh, yeah, I
0: think so. Uh, nice. Well, I'll get to work on that for you. Make you and yeah, your perfect. wife happy. Yeah, I think you'd look really good driving around town, and so would she. So nice choice, my friend. Well, Greg, you have taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed your stories and learning more about you. I've known about you forever, but it's so great to get to talk to you. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with me and the Cars Y'all yeah listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you head off into the sunset in that going Mercedes?
1: Yeah, sounds great. And Mark, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I love your show. You're welcome. You know, it's always great to share stories with people that uh, have similar interests. Yes. I think the automotive, motorcycle world, it's a pretty special group of people. I mean, you go to any car show, regardless of, uh, you know, make and model, and you're going to find people that are pretty special and people that'll want to sit down and talk to you. And that's that's special. Yes. Um, For me, as far as just advice-wise, I would just say that being a uh, optimist and uh looking for opportunity is so important I mean, that's what made america great and i think it's the one thing that sometimes i feel with the crazy politics and the situation we have right now is people have a tendency to forget that um yes america's built on opportunity yeah. and whatever it is there is a way to get there um it may not be overnight but certainly you put the time and the effort in and um Anything's possible. So we're we're very lucky to live where we live.
0: Absolutely. In fact, the day that we're recording this show is the 3rd of July. Tomorrow's Independence Day. So uh, as you listeners, are you listening to this? This was last week. But, uh, yeah, uh, this country offers so many opportunities that, uh, you know, you got to try hard to fail. You really do because it just takes a lot of hard work. Great advice. And, again, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and follow along with what you're doing?
1: Yeah, a couple of options. Uh, MyLifeAtSpeed.com is a great one. Certainly have a lot of interesting stuff up there I think people will will find entertaining. The other one would be DriversInc.com, which is our our stunt driving website, which you get to see a lot of great stuff up there and interesting people and what they're out there doing. GT555 is my Instagram Mm -hmm. handle, I guess. Yeah, your name, sure. Yeah, yeah. GT555. Great, a lot of great stuff up there. Just sort of my day-to-day life. So, and I will say real quickly, I I love talking with people. People are interested in in this career. I probably get a call a week from people that are able to track me down to just ask about how you become a stunt driver. Wow. And uh, I'll always take those calls. So, although sometimes it takes me a little bit longer to get back to get back if I'm in korea or yeah. some other crazy place working so
0: no absolutely and I'll, I'll let our listeners know greg has been so kind uh when i reached out to him he was very quick to respond and we found a moment here where he was home for in the uh, july 4th weekend so i'm very very happy and i feel very grateful for you spending some time with me today and again listeners you can find everything greg has shared on his show notes page at dot greg tracy there just go and check it out and check out these websites follow him on instagram really fun life that greg is living here oh my gosh i can't even imagine well greg thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with the cars y'all listeners until we talk again i'll see you down the road
1: Yep, all the best mark thank you so much everybody get out there and twist the throttle a little bit
0: there you go great advice thank you Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true.